Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Justin was helping me this morning get my microphone on. He looked at me and he said, um, he said, you have a brand new battery in that. I said, okay. I said, so how long does that mean I have? He said, it's a new battery. You got 15 minutes. <laughs> a new design. He said that he's in total control of the battery. <laughs> I'm feeling vulnerable. So, amen. Well, God's good. The book of John, chapter 16. I feel something on my heart here today. And I'm, I'm just going to ask you to help me, if you will. I feel on my heart something larger than I can get my hands around. But if God will help us together, we can kind of pull this into um, pull this into something that can be woven into the fabric of all of our hearts. The book of John, chapter 16 and verse 33. The scripture says this, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world, ye shall have tribulation. There is no arguing that. But Jesus said, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. He said, you're going to have peace in me, but in the world, you're going to have tribulation. There is no way around it. But he said, but, but cheer up because I've overcome the world. Paul said to the Philippian church in 3.10, if you'll just follow me here, that I may know him, this is what Paul said, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. Paul said, I want to know him, but I want all of him, not just the good, not just the days where the sun shines brightest on my front porch. But he said, I want to know him. I want to know the power of his resurrection. But he said, I love him so much, I also want the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable to his death. Paul is saying, I see something before me that is worth everything. Everything. And because of this, I want it all. And I realize that's painting with a broad brush. But Paul said, I want it all. I want the triumph as well as the challenge. I'll take it because I see something. Amen. I want us to today, with the help of God, to see something. And not be fair weather Christians. And not just be here when it all is tilted in our favor. But I'm going to tell you something today. And I know you're standing, I respect that, but I'll be standing a long time after you're seated. 
But let me, let me just say this today, that, that, that there are going to be times in our life that we get up and we get dressed and we come to the house of God and that's the last thing in the world we feel like doing. We're going to have to drag this flesh into God's presence. Amen. If we all stayed home when we felt like it, it would be a sad thing. Amen. So we're going to have to drag ourselves because we realize that I didn't just get into this thing for the good days. Amen. I didn't just sign up for this thing when everything's going my way. But when hell seemingly is winning the battle, I'm still coming to the foot of the cross. And I'm going to run my hand up that splintered cross. Amen. I want God to touch us today in this house. I want to preach to you today. My subject is simply this. The pathway of destiny. The pathway of destiny. I believe that we all have a destiny. That God has something indeed he wants to give birth to in our lives. And so I want to talk about that path. And, and we're going to talk about one particular man, in, in, uh, individual in the scripture. You may be seated in the fear of the Lord. In all reality, I think that this is what true relationships are all about. Or true relationships, real relationships. Real relationships, you know, friendship. Just, uh, just friendship in and of itself. Friendship comes with a price. It absolutely does. Uh, there, there, there are strings attached to any legitimate relationship that we have in our lives. And so there are seasons of rejoicing and seasons of triumph that come our way. But there are also seasons of hardships and seasons where we're just enduring. I, I realize that per, perhaps because I've preached about Joseph and along these lines many times, I may repeat some things that I've said through the years. But um, if that's all right. If it wasn't worth, if it's not worth saying twice, it probably wasn't worth saying once. But um, you know, if we're not careful, we we want we want this unrealistic world where by the time we show up, everything is already fixed. Everything is already everything's already done. We just want we we want all all the wrinkles ironed out. But that's just not really the true portrait of, of life. Uh, I've, I've referred to this through the years and I've said that some, sometimes, and I'm not trying to minimize this particular aspect or, or this particular part of our journeys individually because they're all meaningful, but sometimes people want their life and their relationship with the Lord to be like a date. And think about this with me, if you will, when you're dating someone, when, you, when you're dating them, by, by the time you get there on, on the, the gentleman's part, by the time you get there to pick her up, her hair's already combed out. It's already fixed. The perfume is already sprayed on. She already has on her best. Her, her teeth are brushed, and everything is just right. And, and for the, by the same token, so are you, you're... Your trousers are pressed and everything, you've, you've got every hair in place. You've made sure that all the blemishes are at least disguised. <laughs> Trying to figure out where to go next with this. But there's coming a day you're going you're gonna to step beyond the threshold of that. 
and really and truly it, it, it's a much more beautiful dimension that you're about to step in. But now there are some things that aren't so pleasant that come along with that. You realize that that, that, uh, that man you marry doesn't always look like he did when he drove up in front of your house. And uh, she doesn't always look like that when you, when, you, uh, uh, when you got there. It's not always the way it is. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll keep meddling here as long as you're uncomfortable and we can just move on. Doesn't matter to me. But I, I'm a morning person. I, I love to get up early in the morning. I, I, there's nothing more I love or enjoy better than just kind of seeing the, uh, even before the sun comes up, just that break of day over the eastern tops of those trees. And when I get up, I'm up. I'm ready to talk. I'm I'm ready to do, I'm just, I'm just up for the day. And uh, that's not ever how it's been in our household. I've been the only one in our household that has, that, that has that, that uh, bent. And Justin come along and my wife, she is one to get up in the mornings, but she's not grouchy. I don't want to leave the wrong impression in her absence, but she just don't want to talk for a while. You know, six, eight hours or so. She's not here. I'm feeling kind of brave. <laughs> so I didn't have anybody to really talk to in the mornings for about five years. And then our son was born. I thought, man, I got somebody to hang out with in the mornings. Lo and behold, that was one of the characteristics of his mother that he got. He too loves to get up early in the mornings, but he don't want to talk to anybody. So I've lived in this lonely existence for all these years. And, <laughs> and I want you to feel as sorry for me as you possibly can. So then four years ago, we had been 22 years without a little, we had a, my wife had a poodle when we got married, and we had been 22 years without a little poodle. And four years ago, we got a poodle, so I thought, well, hey, it's, it's not a human, but maybe. You know, I've got somebody that I can hang out with. And would you believe that in the mornings... She'll get up and sometimes get in the chair with me. And when I just reach down and say, how are you doing this morning? She just says, I have no one. I have no one. No one. So if you ride by our house early in the morning, you hear somebody talking, it's me. I'm talking to myself. I've done it for years. Done it for years. But I don't even know how I got off on all that. I appreciate you patience and bearing with me there but you see it's not always as it is on a date and when we come to God we think that sometimes everything is just going to be perfect and there will be no more problem no more pain no more peril no more heartache no more disappointment but Paul had a completely different take on this Paul said I see something here that is larger than me I see something here that's larger, really, than uh, Damascus Road experience. I see something that's larger than just being stricken blind. I see something here that I, I want to buy into this. I'm going to tell you, I, I, I feel 
something bound up in me today. But when, when you think about Paul's experience, this, this was not an experience that was handed down to him generationally. And there's nothing wrong with that. But this was not an experience that he was the second or third or fourth or fifth generation of this. But he had this experience. And oh, what an overwhelming experience on the road to Damascus that, that when it was all said and done and the dust had settled, it was Paul that said, I am so convinced this is right that if me or any other or an angel even comes preaching another message, let them be a curse. Oh, what an experience. But this experience that Paul beheld, that he said, I want to know him. I want to know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. Paul said, I realize there's something here. And so I'm on this journey. I'm on this path. There's a destiny in my life. I realized that Paul had no way to see into the future, but he was not he was not a man that was embittered by the storms. He was not a man that was embittered by the imprisonment or the beatings because he realized that I am a man with a destiny and I am on a path. And in this path, there's gonna be pleasant days. And in this path, there's gonna be easy steps. But also in this path, there's gonna be days of difficulty and mountains that will be sheer to climb valleys that will be deep but God will be with me in it all I want to know the power of his resurrection but I also want to embrace the fellowship of his suffering we are in this thing together amen that's what I'm driving at we are in this thing together and it is the good and it is the bad it is the pleasant and it is the unpleasant all mixed together that bring Brings life whole and brings brings relationships to balance. It takes good and bad. None of us enjoy all the challenges that come into our lives. None of us really enjoy everything that happens, that's for sure, because challenges can come to us on various levels. They can come to our relationships. Challenges may come to our finances. Challenges may come to our health. And the list could go on and on and on and on. But the good news that we have in mind is that God knows all things and God has the last word. As I read through the word of God, I have to consider the men and the women that have been so instrumental in, in getting us where we are. Now, I, I, we had a great day yesterday and I'm just... I'm telling you that there's a lot of that that's still just resonating in my spirit. And so you, you may hear some of that today. But when I thought about last night, as, as we got home and the sun said, I was getting ready for this morning service. And I just began to think about all of the people that all of the generations before us that have literally pulled us where we are. Amen. They, they pulled us where we are. They had church, friend, when it wasn't easy to have church. They had church when it wasn't fun to have church. They came under great, some of them, persecution from, from communities. Even in this community, great persecution, but they kept pulling because they said, I don't want to just know him and the power of his resurrection, but I'm going to pull. I want to know him in the fellowship of his suffering. <laughs> oh, I feel something in my heart today. Oh, I want to I pull. I want to 
I want to pull and, and I think about David and, and I think about David and his life and how that he desired to build a house for God. And so he was so caught up in that that he was even at one time given permission but less than 24 hours later that same king came to him and or that same prophet came to him and said you can't build the house because you've got blood on your hands. David didn't get bitter. David did not get, did not get to wrong side out about all of that he said well I'll tell you what I can do I can't build it but I can do the next best thing I can start gathering timber I can start making the right acquaintances I can start making some connections because there's coming somebody behind me I may not have the hammer in my hand but there'll be a generation by and so they just kept pulling and they kept pulling and we are here today because somebody said even if it doesn't happen in my time even if it doesn't happen with my name over the door even if it doesn't happen with my name associated I'm going to pull I'm going to pull because I want to leave this world with a generation closer to God than the generation I'm living in here today hallelujah and so they pulled and so they pulled and sometimes they pulled without reward sometimes they pulled without acknowledgement some days they pulled without praise but they just kept pulling anyway they just kept pulling Amen, there's an old song that says this. Amen, I, got, I was listening to this this morning. I'm telling you, it got a hold of my heart. I wish I could just sing it halfway like I was listening to it this morning. But the old song that says we've come this far by faith. Amen, we've come this far by faith. And the next line says leaning on the Lord. Amen, we have made it this far by faith. It is not our finesse. It is not our intelligence. It is not our talent. It is not our ability. Hear me today. It is not what we may think it is, but we have come this far by faith. We've been leaning on the Lord. The songwriter says we've been trusting in his holy word and it has never failed me yet. Oh, 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 I can't turn around. I cannot go back. We have come this far by faith. How did you get here? Faith, 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 faith. Faith, if we could somehow peer into the future should the, the, the coming of the Lord tarry, if we could look into the future and another generation before us could ask, how did you get here? How did you get right here? We could say a lot of things. We would probably insert a lot of names. We would probably insert a lot of events. But I can tell you, we could all summarize it by saying we just got here by faith. We just kept coming. We kept believing. Hallelujah, when the times got hard, when everything got rough, we didn't cash in, we didn't throw in the towel, we didn't get bitter, we didn't turn around, why? Because we realized, I'm on a pathway, I've got a destiny in front of me, I'm on a pathway of destiny, oh, hallelujah, I'm on a path of destiny, there's something in my heart, there's something in my life that God is trying to give birth to. And so I'm just going to keep pressing. God anointed generations of men and women who just simply would not turn around. I don't know how far I'm going to get in my notes today, but I just feel something in my spirit. Amen. Men and women who just would not give up. 
men and women who had to swallow their own fears, their own inhibitions, amen, their own anxiety. They had to swallow their own, their own misgivings and their own shortcomings to say, we have come this far by faith and I'm gonna trust God to carry me on. Yesterday, Brother Wolf began to share with us many stories, but one of them, he talked about Brother and Sister Cole, Brother and Sister Billy Cole, who have been so instrumental in, in, in revivals in Thailand where literally thousands and thousands of people have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and how God began to deal with them about, about this country. Amen, how God began to deal with them about, uh, about going there as missionaries. They were pastoring in the United States. And then he told us something very interesting about, uh, about Sister Cole when she was just a seven-year-old girl. I want our young people to listen to this. When she was just a seven-year-old girl, God gave her a vision. And in this vision, she saw a native, uh, some native children, if, this, if I remember the story right. She saw some native children in and, 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 uh, and their attire. <clears throat> and uh, she held on to all that. Held on to that, rather, all those years. She just held on to that. She didn't realize that God was going to put a preacher in her life as, an, as a young lady, and they would marry. And then they began to feel this call to the country of Thailand. But she began to read up on that country and found where that the average age of a child in Thailand at that time was just 10 years old. And she didn't want to take her children to Thailand and who, is there a mother in this house that would blame her for that? Certainly not. Amen. There were some fears and inhibitions that she had to get over. But nevertheless, they had given in and acquiesced to the call of God that was on their life. Amen. Here's Brother Billy Cole's father was Brother Wolf's pastor. His name was J.C. Cole. And so Brother J.C. Cole and Brother Wolf were together. And Brother J.C. Cole had got his subscription that month to Time Magazine or Life Magazine. And, uh, and so he, on the cover of that magazine was just a picture and there was an article there about Thailand. And so he said, Brother Wolf, I want you to, I want you to take this magazine to, uh, to Billy. And he said, I want you to give that to him. There's an article about Thailand and he would probably be interested in reading that article. And so Brother Wolf said, when I handed Brother and Sister Cole that magazine, that on that cover of that magazine, hey amen, those natives that were on the front of that magazine, Sister Cole began to weep and cry. And she said, that is the picture that God showed me when I was seven years old. Are you hearing me today? Hey amen, that, are the, those are the children, those are the natives. There, that's it. God said, I need you to get over your fear. I need you to get over being uncomfortable. I need you to get over some things because I've got a mighty work for you to do. And if you know anything about what God has done through their ministry over the years, then you would know that tens of thousands of people today are in the church and filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name because God dealt with a child and a child as a woman was able to get over it and say, God, I'll do what you'll have me to do. Let's clap our hands to the Lord. Woo. I'm talking about destiny. Destiny, destiny, pathways of destiny. March and march and march and march and walking into our destiny. Amen. God touches today among these honorable mentions in the word of God. Many could be inserted in this, in this sermon today, I'm sure. But one of the most remarkable and one of the most revealing lies is a man by the name of Joseph. 
one of the great patriarchs of history. Joseph's life offers us a picture of a faithful man serving a faithful God. The life of Joseph most likely encapsulates everything a person could experience along the way. To be sure, it was a journey that was filled with highs and lows. Yet the one single point that I cannot fully escape is this. Joseph never asked for one single solitary thing that came in his life. He never asked to be born. He never asked to be his father's favorite. He didn't ask for his brothers to hate him. He never asked for any of the things that happened in his life. But when that child was born and that mother was holding that infant in her arms, that child was on a pathway of destiny. (laughs) That child was on a pathway of destiny. Amen. You don't know. We don't know. Even in our young people that are sitting here this morning, we don't know how much destiny is sitting in this house today. Hear me this morning. Some, and I'm not trying to seem uh, sound crass or, or uncouth, but some in this building may not live long enough to ever see it. But when, when we all get together, amen, when we all get on the other side and you start hearing the good reports and you say, where did that come from now? Where now? Who was that? And we're going to have to say, don't you remember that little old boy or that little old girl? Don't you remember that young man or that young woman? And God got a hold of their lives. Don't you remember? Don't you remember that couple that said, I can't just sit down and hear about this anymore, but I got to rise and do something about it. I'm talking about people that stepped out into a pathway of destiny. And like Paul, they said, I see something bigger here than just good times. I see something bigger here. I see something larger. And I'm willing to buy into this for the good and for the bad and for the ugly. I'm realizing this because I'm on a pathway of destiny. Pathway of destiny. Joseph's life offers us a picture of a faithful man. A faithful man. To summarize Joseph's life, Joseph's Joseph's life, this is what you would find. He was elevated in his father's eyes given dreams about his future that incidentally were were accurate. His brothers sold him as slaves because of their jealousy. Then he rose to prominence under Potiphar, only to be framed because of his loyalty. He was cast into prison, and then even in prison, promoted by the warden, he was forgotten when helping two men who desperately needed help. He sat two years in silence because they forgot him. But he was raised again under the hand of Pharaoh. The dreams that Joseph had were without a doubt inspired by God. These dreams revealed an accurate truth about the very path that was before him. Yet conspicuously absent, I've heard Brother Jerry speak on this so many times, so many times in our prison services and, and in classes. I, I think there's a class that you do about this, I think, or one of the lessons that you do, it talks about that so conspicuously absent in, in, in the dreams of Joseph were the detours that he would face. I mean, all the highlights were filled in, but there was a lot of blanks on the page. He had no way of knowing that. From reading about his life, we know that he faced some very disappointing things along the way. And that's something I can ill afford to forget. We're all likely to find and face challenges on the way down this journey of life. And we'll face them on different levels. One man said this. He said, we spend the first 20 
to 25 years of our lives developing certain dreams, a certain vision. When a man or a woman is about 20 to 25 years old, certain visions and dreams about our lives and what we think they will be, they kind of come into focus. We think that's what it may be. But invariably, we face some unexpected challenges along the way. We may have certain dreams for marriage and or a family, and those dreams may either go unfulfilled or end horribly wrong. Economic climates may crash, and what once seemed like a promising career now just seems like nothing but dust. Or perhaps the doctor gives a report of uncertainty, and that forever changes the trajectory of our lives. How can we press forward when life just seems to take such a drastic turn? I think Joseph reveals some wisdom about this. And so let's pay careful attention to him as he encounters some unforeseen obstacles along the way. There are many things, perhaps, that we could observe in the life of Joseph, but there are two things that are obvious, I think blatantly obvious as we look at his life. And that is that we should never, ever doubt the presence of God in our lives. Never, no matter where we are. No matter where we are, I can't doubt that God is with me. No, no matter how low, no matter how bleak, no matter how quiet the night, no matter how, no matter how brass heaven may seem, I've got to get it in my mind that I cannot lose sight of the fact that God is with me. And the second thing, the second thing I think that we can take from Joseph's life is this, that we should never assume God's intentions because his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. And so we cannot assume God's intentions. I can't assume that God has forgotten me. I can't assume that God is trying in some warped sense to crush me, but I've got to know that he loves me and he called me friend. One of the most common responses to challenging seasons is to believe that God has somehow removed himself from our circumstances and I'm going to tell you, if you're honest this morning, you can say amen. When we thought that God had just somehow backed away, we thought, oh Lord, what have I done? Have I sinned? Have I done something in error, God? We just assume that the Lord backed away. And although it's often unspoken, we can sure feel like God has left us alone. We may never say it, but it's what goes on on our inside. When we feel like somehow, I'm telling you, I'm preaching to somebody today. When we feel like somehow that God has let us down, that we've been disappointed in God, I've given him my all. I've done everything I could do. I gave him my youth. I gave him my strength. I was faithful in attendance. I was faithful in finance. And now it seems like that God has somehow forgotten all about that. But friend, can I reach across this pulpit in Jesus' name and tell you, that if Malachi 3.16 tells us the Lord is keeping a record of our very conversations. If God is bothering to write down what I'm talking about when I'm talking about him, then friend, don't you ever doubt that God's got a count of every nail that's been driven, every mile of grass that's been cut, every board that's been painted, every hour of prayer, every day, every meal we've ever fasted. God has got a record of it. Oh, how human it is to feel this way. 
But we can't dwell on that because when I dwell on that, I water seeds of doubt. I water seeds of doubt. When I dwell on that, we all may get disappointed. We all may even find ourselves at some point discouraged. But don't stay discouraged. Because when you stay to, to get discouraged, to get disappointed is probably human. But when we build our house there, when we drive tent stakes in the ground and camp out there, that is when we water seeds of disappointment and they become the very trees that grow in our lives that overshadow the good things of God. I'm going to tell you along the way, along the way Joseph was left in a pit, later left in a prison, and maybe you felt left in a pit, and maybe you have felt in prison before. Amen. That can lead to feelings of being left out by God. Joseph, however, was on a journey. It was a journey, friend, that was filled with detours. It was a journey that was filled with exit ramps that he knew nothing about. But God, but God said, I've got my hand on you. I've got my, I've never forgotten you. I've never forgotten you. Amen. This was where he had to learn some serious disciplines in his life. It was a discipline that'll keep us on track as well. One thing that Joseph discovered was this whether he is in a pit or whether he's in a prison or whether he's on top and everything's sailing fine God is with me and he is able to work I can prove that in scripture Genesis 40 and 8 says this Genesis 40 and 8 and they said unto him we have dreamed a dream and there is no interpreter of it and Joseph said unto them, Amen, do not interpretations belong to God. Tell me, tell me them, I pray you. Amen, I'm going to tell you that Joseph could have said, he could have been so bitter, and he, he could have said, yeah, I had a dream one time too, and look where it got me. Yeah, I had some dreams one day, and look where, it, where I wound up. I'll tell you what you better do with them dreams. Is you better pack them dreams up and put them on the top shelf. You better, you better tuck those away and forget all about this. But so Somewhere, even in the midst of a prison, amen, even in the midst when everything was going wrong, Joseph said, well, I'll tell you what, he's, he's still God, and God gives dreams. Woo, hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs> he's still God. Hey, he wasn't in a pulpit when he said this. Everything wasn't all right when he said this. He was in prison with an uncertain future, but he said, God is the giver of dreams. Tell me those dreams. Share them with me again. Somehow Joseph realized he was on a pathway of destiny. And Joseph believed that God could do it. And Joseph had not lost his faith in God. If we, I will save time here and not read Genesis 41, 14 through 16. But I want to tell you the same thing happened again when Pharaoh had dreams. Amen. They, they, we know there's a dreamer. We know. I know where there's a dreamer. Well, he's down there in cell block C. Amen. We'll go get him and we'll get him shaved and cleaned up. That's what the scripture says. And we'll bring him before you. 
He could have stood before Pharaoh and played dumb. He could have stood before Pharaoh and just said, I, I don't want to get into all this. He could have rejected it. He could have said no, but there was something in his heart. He realized that God really was the giver of dreams. I'm just on a path. I'm on a, I'm, I'm, I've got a destiny. I'm going through some things that are disappointing. I'm telling you what I know in the Holy Ghost this morning, that the Spirit of God is ministering to people in this building right now. Amen. Things have not turned out the way you planned. Things right now, you are not where you thought you would be at this, at this station in life. But can I just shout to you this morning that you are on a pathway of destiny and if you can guard your heart and if you can guard your mind and if you can keep the devil out of your, from playing, having a playground in your spirit, God will give birth to something in your life. Yes, he will. Oh, I feel it in the Holy Ghost. I feel it in the Holy Ghost. A common temptation during challenging times is to become passive. And when we do, we lose sight of our potential. We feel like victims of circumstances and we decide to give up. But, but Joseph just resisted all of that. And he stood, having done all to stand. Whatever happened to Joseph, he just kept, he just kept making the best of bad situations. He was sold into slavery. Keep your eye on him because he's not going to be on the bottom long. He became the head servant. <laughs> he's still in slavery, but he became the head. Well, he's feeling better about himself. He was sent to prison. But you know what? God gave him favor with the administration. Yes, he did. He was brought before the king to interpret his dream. But God wasn't finished with him. He didn't want him to just be a mouthpiece in front of Pharaoh. He gave him a seat beside Pharaoh. And so if we face our problems and respond to them positively, when we refuse bitterness and self-pity, we're bound to become victorious. Joseph was a man who had his character tested along the way. If you think about it with me, God allowed his life to be challenged by the, some of the same temptations that we all face as human beings today. Joseph had an opportunity to get angry, but he just wouldn't. Joseph had opportunities to lust, but he said, no, I'm just, I just can't go there. I just can't do that. You see, you only find out what's in your heart when you have an opportunity to live it out. You can't go by what you think because Jeremiah said the heart is deceitful. Brother Gibson spoke about this a few Wednesday nights ago. The heart's deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So you can't go by what you think you would do, what you think you would say, how you think you would respond. Because we won't know the abundance of the heart. You'll never find out what's really there until you have the opportunity to live it out. And so God allowed Joseph to be placed in positions to test him and try him. In addition to his ability to be angry about situations and bitter, he was, he was tempted with lust. Genesis 39 and 6 and 7, he left all he had. Joseph said this. And he had left all of his hat he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not aught he had save the bread which he did eat. Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife, the Bible says, look at that. It's an interesting phrase, isn't it? She cast her eyes upon Joseph and said, Lie with me. Cast her eyes. Job said, 
in 31 and 1, Job said, I've made a covenant with my eyes. I made a covenant with my eyes. So we're going to be careful eyes what we see. We're going to be careful eyes what we entertain ourselves with. We're going to be careful eyes. We're going to be careful. I've made a covenant with my eyes. I'm going to be careful. The Bible says of Potiphar's wife that she cast, she didn't have a covenant with her eyes. She cast her eyes on him and said, come lay with me. There was no covenant in her eyes, but Job said, I made a covenant with mine. I believe that Joseph had a covenant with his eyes. And he said, no, 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 I can't do this. I can't go there. I, I, all that, you're, that my master has is in my hands. Everything. He don't even know what the scripture says. He don't even know what he has except the bread that he eats. He said, I know more about what he owns than he knows about what he owns. I can't let him down. I gotta stand beside him. I gotta be loyal. Amen. When Satan saw, when Satan saw that he could not overthrow Joseph with trouble, he assaulted him with pleasure. I want somebody to hear me today. If the devil thinks he can't trouble you out of the church, he might pleasure you out of the church. Amen. He might just pleasure you away from the altar. If, oh, I feel it in the Holy Ghost. If he can't trouble you away from woo, if he can't trouble you away from the altar, he'll bless you away from the altar. Amen. If he can't trouble us out of the house of God, if he can't trouble us out of worship, he might just bless us out of worship. I feel this, Brother Gibson. I feel this. Oh, I feel this in my heart today. I want you to pray for me. I'm losing my voice, but I gotta get this out. Amen, I gotta get this out, God. I'm asking you to anoint me now in the name of Jesus. Help me, God, to deliver this. Help me, God, to deliver this. Help me, God, to deliver this. I'm gonna tell you that pleasure has ruined more people than problems ever has. If you think I'm preaching against your new car and your new shoes, you're out of your mind. But I want to tell you that, that, that pleasure, pleasure has separated people from God way more often than problems have separated people from God. And so when you hear me today, everything that glitters isn't gold. Amen. Everything that glitters isn't worth it. Everything that says promotion is not a promotion. Everything that says all is well is not well. Amen. If it, if it doesn't line up with this, if it takes you away from the book, if it takes you away from the church, if it takes you away from your prayer room, if it takes you away from your fasting, if it takes you away from your dedication, get Get off of that road. 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 Oh. Oh, get off of that road. Turn around, turn around, turn around, turn around, turn around. I want God. Joseph said, I can't do that. I can't do that. I, I, I'm, I'm on a path. I've got a destiny. I can't do that. I can't do that because I've got a destiny. Amen. Genesis 39:10 says, day after day. See, it's one thing if you give in. I mean, one thing if you're just bothered one time. But the devil doesn't. He don't lose your address. Amen. And if he if he smells blood in the water, he's gonna keep circling day after day after day. She kept casting her eyes. 
She kept casting her eyes. She kept casting her eyes. Stay with me now. I'm not on a marathon to see how long I can preach, but I think God wants to speak something into our heart. Day after day. One day he went into the house to just tend his duties. He was just minding his business. When she said in her heart, today is the day. It stepped, in my opinion, this had got beyond just casting her eyes. This was not a glance across the room. But no, no, no. Joseph had to skin out of his coat and leave it in her hands. Because he said, I'm on a path and I have a destiny. Amen. God sees the challenging times as opportunities to build character in our lives and strength. There's one thing that we can understand about these trying seasons, and I want you to get this, if you will. Please, if I, I don't really know how to say this, so I'm just going to toss it out there, and I hope that you'll just receive it. But, but in all truthfulness, Potiphar's house at first was a reprieve. It was a refuge. And now in the very place that once was his refuge, The first night, Brother Polk, he pulled them covers up under his chin in Poverty's house. You don't think he went, whew, safe, safe. And now right in the realm of refuge comes the enemy. Amen, comes the enemy. But God was saying, I've got one more test for you. Because I'm really trying to take you further than just Potiphar's house. <laughs> Hallelujah. I know I've addressed this several times through the years. And I don't want our singers and musicians to feel like I'm picking on you or singled out. But I'm going to tell you. <clears throat> you shouldn't find it odd that, that sometimes you come under attack when you're trying to practice. And, and you're getting together. And sometimes, you know, the fur gets all bristled up. And if you're not careful, you can get odds with each other. And I know nothing. Y'all might have fought like cats and dogs this morning. I don't know. <clears throat> <laughs> it didn't seem like it. If you did, you prayed over it mighty well. <clears throat> I was going to say this anyway, but don't don't think it's strange whenever whenever those things come. You know why? Because you're leaders of worship, and Satan hates worship. The devil hates worshipers. And so where better to attack than those that are going to lead us to the throne of grace? Amen. That's why when all that junk gets started from time to time, because we're all just human, right? Amen. That's why somebody needs to say, wait a minute. Amen. We need God right now. We're going to stop and we're going to pray and we're going to let the Spirit of the Lord move in. Is that all right? Amen. That's all right. I've been talking lately about the things that are going on in our world simply that, that just keep us distracted. I, that, that word distraction has just been in my spirit for months and months and months. And, and I just feel like the world's so busy. We're just running, 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 running. And I'm not saying this to be cute or, 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 or anything of that nature, but we have more time-saving devices at our fingertips today than any generation before us by leaps and bounds. And yet, what is it that we don't have anything of? It's time. Time. You would think with all the time-saving things that we have, we'd have God 
jobs of time. But our world is just filled with distractions. And I'm going to tell you that when you're on the path of destiny, don't think it odd that the enemy is going to try to distract you away from what the Spirit of the Lord is doing. Let me just say it one more time. When you kneel down in prayer, what happens? That's when you think of all those things you ought to do. That's when you remember where you left your keys. That's where you remember where you left this or left that. And it's just one distraction of hell to get you away from your destiny. I may be preaching to somebody this morning that don't even have the Holy Ghost. Amen. And you're on a path of destiny. And you feel God drawing you this morning. And the devil's doing everything he can do to distract you. You know why? Because he doesn't want destiny to be born in your spirit. Because he's afraid of what you can do. Please hear me. Please hear me. We gotta be careful what we join ourselves to because you may join yourself to the wrong thing during a season of distraction. You gotta be very careful when you're distracted because Things can get born in our lives during those seasons. Please, please hear me. Whatever's born in a season of your distraction, are you hearing me now? Whatever's born in your life during a season of distraction will ultimately have to follow you into your destiny. And everything is not worthy to be with you in your destiny oh my God hear me now things that are born in our lives during seasons of distractions will ultimately have to follow us into our destiny and everything in life is not worthy to join you in your destiny My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Jesus, in this house, I feel the Holy Ghost. Mm. I feel something sovereign, church. I feel something sovereign in this place. Think about Abraham and Sarah. Sister Rayleigh, in a moment of distraction, Sarah said, I know what we can do. And all of a sudden, they've got Ishmael running out around the house. And hear me, friend. Ishmael wasn't worthy. Ishmael was not worthy to walk into the destiny that was set before them. So you better be careful what gets in your spirit while the devil's got your attention over here. Oh, the devil's got your attention over here. I'm going to tell you what's frightening to me. Some people are tuned in to what the Spirit of God is speaking right here, and some of you are about two seconds away from a nap, and you need to wake up and lean in right now and let God do something in our lives. I've got better things to do to stand behind this pulpit and try to sound like a smart aleck, but I'm telling you, the Spirit of God is wanting to do something. There's something vibrating, Brother Gibson. Oh, oh, oh. there's something. There's something vibrating in this house. Amen. Everything that would give be born to you during a season of distraction is not worthy to stand in your destiny. 
I'm, I'm trying to land, so just stay with me now. Joseph was on a journey. Therefore, he could not allow himself to become, himself to become distracted by the present circumstances. And here's the bottom line. You can't forget the promises. I don't know. I don't know if I've ever shared this publicly or not. I feel it in my spirit. I'm just going to do it. Can I, can I walk out here? When I was just a boy, a, a kid in this church, Aunt Merle, I don't even know if you would remember this, but, but, but we had an evangelist here from Holland an elderly man and woman from Holland. And they were staying in my parents' home during those series of services. And we were talking about the river and the, we weren't very far from a boat ramp and they were, they were quite intrigued by that. And, and so one day he asked my mother if I would, could ride down there to the boat ramp right down here show them the river so we walked down down by the river but you see brother Gibson God had something else in mind that day I was just a child that evangelist and his wife not I, 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 there was no, no sinister thing in this at all they sat me down and they said, young man, God has his hand upon your life. God has his hand on your life. And you're going to see some things in your lifetime. God has his hand on your life. I was just a child, Brother Tim. And I'm going to tell you, I didn't really realize where my life would take me or where I would go, but I've never forgotten that. I could, I could take you right now. We could load up. I could take you right now and put an X on the highway where we were standing. They were just admonishing me, live for God. Don't ever, don't ever give up. God's got his hand on you. God's got his hand on you. And if you'll receive this in the spirit that I say it. There have been days that I have been so discouraged. And I have felt so defeated. And I would almost feel that evangelist's hand around my shoulder. Saying God's got his hand on you. And so I'd have to just try to tune out the blinding storms. And say God I'm going to hold on to the dream. I'm going to hold on to the dream. Oh God is doing something in this house today. <laughs> oh God, you're doing something in this house today. <laughs> it wasn't much. It wasn't a long conversation. It wasn't. There was no angel singing in the background, but I'm going to tell you, even as a child, I knew something divine was taking place. 
I knew something bigger than me was happening. I knew that wasn't just an old man trying to be kind to a child. I felt like it was a divine moment, a divine moment. Oh, I prayed. You may think this is silly. I've lost track of how many mornings in my living room I've knelt in the chair with my face buried in the pillow saying, God, would you just bring back to my mind that man's name? I don't even know who he is. I can't even remember who he is. But it was a divine moment. And I couldn't forget the dreams because I had to remember that I'm on a pathway to a destiny. Are you okay? Stay with me, please. Don't forget the promises. Ultimately, the ultimate measure of a man, Martin Luther King Jr. said, is not where he stands in a moment of comfort and convenience, but it's where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. Ultimately, we see the hand of God elevate Joseph, but there was one more stop. One more exit. I'm not trying to preach past the moment. Hear me. I need you to stay connected because God's not through speaking. If you know the story of Joseph, you remember the dungeon that Joseph was in when he met the baker and the butler. They each had a dream. They came to him for an interpretation. The butler was raised back to his place and elevated by the king's side. But the baker was beheaded and hung in a tree for the birds to eat in Genesis 40. This was in the final season of, it was in this final season that the king finally discovered the jewel named Joseph. The dungeon can be a place of horrible despair. It can also be a place where God can discover us. Musicians, I want you to come to the, just probably, I don't know how to say this, but just come as gently to the front as you can. I don't want to interrupt this spirit, but I need you here. Hallelujah. We know that in the end, Joseph was elevated to be the right-hand king of the main, of, of right-hand man of the king, and it seems as though Joseph was through being tried. But one more time, it was not altogether true. Because he had stood the test of problems. He's withstood the test of problems. But if you'll give me just a few more minutes, I want to just mention one more chapter of his life. You see, Joseph finally came to the place that God had revealed to him in those dreams. People were bowing down. They were. His own family was bowing down. Joseph made it, scarred, many stories to tell. But now, Joseph, here's the real test, son. What are you going to do with your power? Because you see, when Joseph slid in the seat beside Pharaoh, He's now in charge of Potiphar. He now has authority over his wife. She sent him to prison on false charges. 
I knew what you was doing with problems, Pharaoh, but I want to see what you do with pleasure. And there is not even a mention of Potiphar or his wife. So I'm just going to believe that he treated them right. Because they had to bow down to him. When his brothers come in, he didn't say, here's my chance. Pull out the sword. But he went in a room and he wept bitterly. Let's stand. There's a spirit in this place. God have mercy. I know some of you may not even understand what you feel right now, but I'm going to tell you what you feel is not the air conditioner. There's a divine presence of God. I'm going to go back to something because I want to just say it one more time. Everything doesn't belong in your destiny. And so you better snip ties with it right now. Right now. Don't fool around and give birth to something that don't belong in your house. Sarah said one day, you don't think this was an awkward day? I don't know what you're going to do, but they're out of here. I don't know where you're going to keep them. I don't know where you're going to send them. But they're, today, they're out of here. That was his son. So don't give birth to something one day that's going to cut. You think it hurts to cut the tie now? No, uh-uh. It'll be a lot easier to cut this now than it will to be try to dry, draw, uh, drag an Ishmael into your life that don't belong in your destiny. As a matter of fact, it might prevent you from stepping into your destiny. I don't know really how to end this, but I feel like the Spirit of the Lord needs to speak to our heart. And I think we need to respond. Amen. I think there's people in this house right now. We need to move. Amen. We need to move. We, we need to move. And you know what? You're moving. You're stepping out. May give somebody else courage, confidence to step out. My God, I feel in the Holy Ghost. Something's been released in this place. Oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Whatever you do, if you don't want to come front to the front, that's your business. But whatever you do, don't be an onlooker. Amen. Don't just be an onlooker. You need to participate somehow. Amen. You need to get in prayer. Let the Spirit of God stir your heart. Stir us together as a church. Help us to walk. Help us to walk into our destiny. Oh, in the name of Jesus. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. 
Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.